The following program contains material that may be disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Court on the Big Cup. I'm Katie Atkins. <laughs> I'm Kelly Reed. And we uh, have a lot of technical difficulties at all times, but that's just sort of what life is, I'm convinced. There are some people who technology just likes to work for, and then there's some people who it doesn't, and they have to work harder. We're really some of those people where I just feel like we have to work harder to get things to work. But today we're going to talk about horrific hotels, which I have been waiting for this one. And honestly, I feel like there's too many hotel stories. I mean, there's definitely a lot of hotels, but then... I So I struggled a little bit. Really? There's yeah. so many haunted hotels. There's yeah, so the many deaths like in hotels. So many of them are just like, we're haunted. Come see us. It's crazy. We have a psychic on staff. And I'm just like... Okay. That's... No... One that I legitimately believe because of the backstory of it, and it's like the whole reason I wanted to. I even that one's short, but like they have to include it on their website because of it's like the number three most haunted place in the in the world. Yeah, I know there's definitely haunted hotels in New Orleans. There was this one story I almost wanted to talk about, but it like wasn't really about the hotel at all it's just some people I might have actually already talked about it like 10 episodes ago but it was about that couple the Katrina um what what do they call it the Katrina cannibal from Hurricane Katrina was that the one where they were like trapped no no this this couple chose to not leave it was this uh, couple who worked in the bar scene on um Bourbon Street and they were also heroin addicts. And the guy had a temper and would get, like, really jealous and stuff. And one weekend, he decided to take out all of his savings and all of his girlfriend's savings. So it was, like, a few thousand dollars. And he went to his friend and he said, hey, we're going to blow all of this money this weekend. Just all of it. We're spending every single dollar. And their friend was like, okay, uh, weird flex, like but money, cool. But so they went to, they hit up all the strip clubs, they hit up all the bars, they bought all this stuff, like just blowing it, right? And then yeah. that next Monday, I want to say it's the Omni Hotel, but across from his apartment is the Omni Hotel, which is a pretty tall hotel, and there's a parking garage that's like three stories underneath it, like to the side of it. And he jumped off the hotel and killed himself and landed on um, the parking garage and died. Investigators were like, okay. But they also realized after about a week, his girlfriend was missing. So they went into their apartment and found her charred head in a pot in the kitchen. Yikes. And it, and it turns out people weren't sure if he ate parts of her or not. What they think happened is they got into a fight over drugs or money or something, and that he beat her but, like, accidentally killed her. Like, they don't think he meant to kill her and that he cut her up to try to, like, get rid of evidence. That he could, like, cook her and she would, like, I don't know. He, like, was an idiot and, like, was trying to basically... It looked like there's, like, body parts and, like, random pots and pans. And they were, like, burnt up and stuff, and it seemed like he was trying to burn the body. So that's when he decided to just... Take all their money, spend all of it, kill himself. 
And so people will still say they see someone jump off the building. They see like a ghost or just someone and like people. It was nuts. His name was, uh, God, what was his name? Like Zachary Bowen or something. The girl's name was Addie. Now I want to look it up now because I I know this whole story. Yeah, Zachary Bowen and Addie Hall. Uh, That was like very loosely tied to a hotel. (laughs) It's like people just happen to see someone jump off that hotel a lot and they'll like call the police. And then when they go to the parking garage, nothing's there. The Omni Hotel has a lot of weird hauntings. This one ghost, like, people report uh, seeing people standing at the end of their beds late at night. People report uh, sheets, like, them being tucked into their sheets. Oh. Yeah. They said that uh, sometimes the bath will be drawn randomly in the middle of the night or the shower will turn off and on. Apparently on the seventh floor, people see, um, like, a Civil War soldier with a rifle or something. There's been reportings of seeing some, like, old Civil War dude. I learned that story on a um, ghost tour in New Orleans a few years back. Did you have any, like, side hotel-related stories you wanted to talk about or anything before your main one, or? Um, well, so here's the thing. I found, so mine are both going to be short, because there's the one hotel that I think just needs to be mentioned, mm-hmm. and um, then I just, I got another list for you, because I haven't had one in a while. It's true. It's very true. Everyone loves a good listicle. Yeah, I um. So I really wanted to do the Stanley Hotel because it's the hotel that inspired Stephen King to write The Shining. Oh yeah. Yeah. He wrote it there after he visited it with his family, and he woke. No, open the door. Fuck! Zach keeps closing my door and locking the animals in here with me. So that when they want to leave, they get really annoying, and I have to get up and let them out. Cats especially hate being locked anywhere. Yeah, the animals are already like, whoa, the door is closed. What the fuck? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just like, no, please. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was originally going to just cover the Stanley Hotel, because I love Stephen King, and he um, was inspired to write The Shining after he stayed a night at the Stanley Hotel, and woke up in the middle of the night having a nightmare that his son was being chased by something and screaming and just running down the hallways. And he ended up, like, going and taking a smoke break after he woke up in the middle of the night and ended up having, like, the whole skeletal structure of The Shining after that. Wow. After I looked into it a little bit more, it kind of seemed a little touristy. Mm. So, but it was still kind of a cool thing. So I decided I was just going to do the most haunted spots within the Stanley Hotel, which, fun fact, was actually not originally not originally a hotel um, by design. It was a house. It's just that big? Yeah, it's massive because this guy, he was, like, super wealthy, and he lived on the East Coast, um, like, warm weather and was used to, like, the life of luxury or whatever, but he got diagnosed with uh, lung disease, um, and this doctor said that if he went to an area that had like a higher altitude and a different climate that it might be able to like help him last a little longer yeah i'm worried it's gonna be me yeah well they they said you know you have a year to live um and so he went up there and he stayed for a while and he ended up living through the year like started doing a whole lot better and so they're just like fuck it we're just gonna stay here but there wasn't a town nearby or anything at that point and so they built a house there so they could stay and that's where the Stanley Hotel came from um, once they 
passed away, they sold it off and it got converted into a hotel. That's interesting. Where was this? Uh, Colorado. Colorado. Okay. Uh, you remember when we went to uh, the mountains for my dad's wedding? Yeah. The hotel that they filmed the uh, inside portions of is actually there, but the outside is the Stanley Hotel. Oh, wow. That's yeah. interesting. That's really cool, though. My story, I guess since it was my topic, I'll have to tell my whole thing first, because that's how we know who goes first. Yep. Go for it. <sighs> okay. So this is the story of H.H. H. Holmes, who is widely believed to be America's very first serial killer. Also, in my opinion, is a psycho evil genius. When I say evil genius, I just mean like madman, insanely good con artist. So this one's kind of long. So like buckle the absolute fuck up. H.H. H. Holmes. So his name isn't actually H.H. Holmes. His uh, birth name is actually Herman Webster Mudgett, which, yes, I too would change my name. Herman Webster Mudgett? Woof. Yeah, they have something against you at that point. (laughs) Yeah, he was born May 16th, 1869 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Mudgett was born into a wealthy family and showed signs of high intelligence from an early age. Always being interested in medicine, uh, he allegedly trapped animals and performed surgery on them as a kid. There's also a huge famous story about him as a kid. Apparently, he was bullied a lot. And this is just all alleged, like, people aren't really sure. It's just speculation. But there's a famous story that... Kids at a school are bullying him. He was really scared of skeletons and dead things when he was a kid, like younger, younger, and that the kids knew this and exploited it and like locked him in a room with a skeleton and um, like forced him basically face it. And it freaked him out, but he supposedly says that the experience made him obsessed and fascinated with death instead and that he became obsessed with dead people and skeletons but who really fucking knows i don't personally think it's true just because i feel like when you find out what he did there's just something missing in his brain you know it's just like a psychopath like you do this because you enjoy it kind of a thing like i don't think it was tricked or trained into you i think it's just something going on there but anyways uh he attended medical school at university of michigan And on July 4th, 1878, when he was about, like, 17 or 19, hi, I can't do math, he married Clara Lovering in Alton, and they had a son named Robert in 1880. And just a fun side fact, Robert grew up to become a certified public accountant and served as city manager of Orlando, Florida. I saw Florida and decided to include it, even though Robert has nothing to do with this story other than unfortunately being this guy's son. (laughs) So while enrolled in medical school, uh, Mudgett stole cadavers from the lab, burned or disfigured them, and then he would plant the bodies, making it look like they had been killed in an accident. The reason why he would do this is he would take out insurance policies on the people before planting the bodies. He was just collecting money off of already dead bodies. Back then, it was really easy to commit insurance fraud and, like, I mean, that's basically all he did was insurance fraud, just constantly. So he made a fucking killing off doing that. His landlord's wife, during this time, uh, while he was in school, 
noticed a foul stench coming from his room. And so when she investigated, she found a dead baby under his bed. Whoa. He explained that he was experimenting with dissections as part of his homework. He was warned to never bring dead bodies into the house again. But also, like, I know that human history is really fucked up, but I just find it really hard to believe that a school would allow students to have access to dead babies. Or he killed him. Because, so there's a lot of info I didn't include in this enormous biography I wrote because this dude did so much. But there's a lot of suspected murders during this time. Because people would go missing, never be heard from again, like, kind of happening. But also it was, like, you know, 1870. Mm -hmm. So I also imagine it wouldn't be too difficult if you were to fall off the map to not be heard from again. Like, if I moved to another town and didn't tell anyone, I could seemingly look like I disappeared. When in reality, I just moved to another town and didn't tell anybody. I just feel like it's really easy to, like, quote-unquote go missing, but not actually be missing. But with this guy's track record, I'm sure he definitely killed at least one or two people while in school. Housemates also noticed that Holmes's wife seemed to be beaten often and that he was pretty violent, and they would see her with black eyes a lot. And once he finished school, his wife and son left him to go back home permanently. And so he was working at a drugstore in Philly once he graduated school, but while he was working there, a boy died after taking medicine that was purchased from him. He, uh, Herman denied any involvement in the child's death, but immediately left the city. The situation was weird enough that they suspected him of tampering with the medicine. So it was after that, His wife left him. He didn't give a fuck, though. He was a huge womanizer, always had, like, multiple girlfriends who didn't know about each other, was constantly, like, having fiancés, and they would go missing. He took out... Nobody looked into it. Like, you'd think after the second one, they'd be like... Well, he kept moving. He kept moving cities. So at this point, at this point, he traveled a shit ton and would have girlfriends in other cities. And so in 1886, Mudgett moved to Chicago and took a job as a pharmacist under the name Dr. Henry H. Holmes. That's when he finally changed his name. And so in 1887, he married Myrda Belknap, even though he hadn't divorced his first wife, Claire, yet. He actually filed for divorce a few weeks after his second marriage, but the papers never went through. I mean, it's safe to say Clara mutually left him, so. So when the owner of the drugstore he started working at passed away, the previous owner had left his wife to take over the responsibilities of the store. However, Holmes convinced the widow to let him buy the store. The widow soon went missing and was never seen again. (laughs) Holmes claimed that she moved to California and no one could verify whether it was true or not. Well, you know what I say, if you can't beat him, kill him. Well, here's the thing, is that people around him just went missing a lot, but when they'd ask him, he'd be like, oh, they moved to Denver, oh, they moved to California, oh, they moved to Canada, oh, they moved here. He didn't tell anyone about it except me, because I'm very trusted. Because I was their lover, or whatever. Like, he basically hooked up with, like, all of these women. After Holmes had become the owner of a drugstore, of the drugstore, he purchased an empty lot across the street, and he designed and built a three-story hotel, which the neighborhood called The Castle. During its 1889 construction, Holmes hired and fired 
several construction crews so that no one could have a clear idea of what exactly it was he's building because the blueprints were so bizarre. And every single time one of the construction crew members had any questions about it, he would fire them. They couldn't figure out what he was building. It was like, yeah, I guess this is a hotel, but it also looked like a labyrinth. So after construction was complete in 1891, Holmes placed ads in newspapers offering jobs for young women and advertised the castle as a place of lodging. Like, he had a jewelry store in his hotel. Like, the first floor had, like, shops and stuff, um, which I think was more common back in the day than it is now. I mean, there's still some old hotels and, like, really ritzy ones I've been to that do have shops in it. You know, we just don't see that often anymore. Uh, What's also funny is during this time, he also placed ads presenting himself as a wealthy man looking for a wife. (laughs) So he also used to post, like, like, yeah, like, Lonely Hearts ads, but, like, he literally is married to his second wife. (laughs) So all of Holmes' employees, hotel guests, fiancés, and wives were required to have life insurance policies. Like, you couldn't work for him unless you had taken out a life insurance policy. And Holmes paid the premiums as long as they listed him as the beneficiary. How is that not the most suspicious shit you've ever fucking heard? Like, yeah, I'll, you know, hire you as a jewelry store clerk, but you need to take out a life insurance policy and list me as the beneficiary. So if you ever die, I get all of your insurance money and everything you own. I don't understand why no one would think that's suspicious. For all of his employees and all of his, like, girlfriends, fiancés, wives, however the fuck many he had, no one really knows for sure. Like, we'll get to the wife part, and, like, there's a couple girls who have, like, confirmed dated him, but there were so many that it was, like, I don't know, dude. And, of course, most of his fiancés and wives would suddenly disappear, as did many of his employees and guests. I know I just said hotel guests were required to have life insurance policies, but I don't think that part's true. I know I know for a fact it was the employees and his wives, but I think I accidentally added hotel guests without realizing I typed that. So, sorry. Uh, um, so people in the neighborhood eventually reported that they saw many women enter the castle but would never see them exit. In 1893, Chicago was given the honor of hosting the World's Fair, a cultural and social event to celebrate the 400th anniversary of Columbus's discovery of America. The event was scheduled from May to October and attracted millions of people from all over the world. When Holmes heard that the World's Fair was coming to Chicago, he looked at it as an opportunity and he knew many visitors would be searching for lodging near the fair and believed many of them would be women whom he could easily seduce into staying at his hotel. And after being uh, lured into the hotel, many of these out-of-town visitors would never be seen again. There's a lot of missing people from that fair. So what does this castle actually like look like? What's in it? So the first floor of the castle was just several stores. And the two upper levels contained Holmes's office and over a hundred rooms that were used as living quarters. Throughout the building were trapdoors, peepholes, doorways that opened to brick walls, and mazes of hallways, which uh, a lot of them led to nowhere. Some of these rooms, kind of like the Winchester House, almost. Yeah, kind of like the Winchester House. Instead of trying to trick ghosts and spirits from haunting you, it's to trap people. So some of these rooms were soundproof and contained gas lines so that Holmes could asphyxiate his guests whenever he felt like it. So that was a really weird thing to me 
is he wouldn't personally kill them, like, himself. He would just trap them in a room and suffocate them, which I thought was kind of odd in an indirect way to kill people. But, yeah, so the rooms uh, also had chutes that would drop straight down to the basement. And the basement is where his laboratory, I guess you would call it, is. So he had a stretching rack, a dissecting table, and and then acid vats, quicklime, and a crematorium to dispose of his victims' bodies. And nobody looked into this? Nope. Or is this, like, after the fact? They didn't know it was there. Okay, okay. So what he did with the bodies varied Sometimes he would dissect them, strip them of flesh, and sell as human skeleton models to medical schools. In other cases, he would choose to cremate or place the bodies into pits of acid. He would also sell organs on the black market. He would take parts of the body that he wanted and sell them for money. Um, And for all the stuff he, all the parts or bodies he decided he didn't want to use or want, he would put in a vat of acid. I guess I don't need this. But he made, like, a stupid amount of money just doing all of this. So one of Holmes's early murder victims was actually one of his mistresses, uh, Julia Smith. She was the wife of some dude named Ned <laughs> who had moved into Holmes's building and began working at his pharmacy's jewelry counter. Um, after Ned found out about the affair... He quit his job and moved away, leaving Julia and her daughter Pearl behind. Uh, Julia gained custody of Pearl and remained at the hotel, continuing her relationship with Holmes. But funny story, Julia and Pearl fucking disappeared on Christmas Eve of 1891. And Holmes later claimed she had died during an abortion, though what happened to them was never confirmed. Probably because there's no body to find because he put them in a fucking vat of acid. So um, another uh, mistress of his, Emmeline uh, Segrande, I think you say that? Emmeline? I'll just say Emmeline. Began working in the building in May 1892 and disappeared that December. And then another woman who vanished, Edna Van Tassel, which is just a fantastic name and just sounds like a burlesque (laughs) name. Edna Van Tassel. Is yeah, is also someone who disappeared and believed to have been one of his mistresses and victims. So he did a lot of things besides just run the hotel. He was basically really obsessed with making money and just swindling people. And so at one point he was working at a chemical bank building on Dearborn Street, and that's where Holmes met and became really close friends with this dude named Benjamin Pietzel, who was a carpenter with a criminal past who was uh, exhibiting in the same building a coal bin he had invented. So Holmes used Pietzel as his right-hand man for basically everything from here on out. A district attorney later described Pietzel as Holmes's tool or creature. I think what he meant by creature is kind of like Renfield to Dracula, uh, Igor to Frankenstein, yeah. yeah, kind of a thing. In early 1893... An actress named Minnie Williams moved to Chicago. Holmes claimed to have met her in an employment office, though there were rumors he had met her in Boston years earlier. It don't matter. No one cares. He offered her a job at the hotel as his personal stenographer 
So Holmes persuaded Williams to transfer the deed to her property in Fort Worth, Texas, to a man named Alexander Bond, which was an alias of Holmes. So he had multiple aliases that he operated under as well. And in April of 1893, she transferred the deed with Holmes serving as the notary. So he now owns property in Fort Worth, Texas. The next month... Come on, guys. Stop giving your shit away. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what this guy did to get all of these people to just go along with him. But, like, I saw a picture of him and, like, he's not that good looking. Like... I just... Now I gotta see a picture. Yeah. Like, he's not ugly, but, like, he's not hot, you know? He just looks like some rich dude. But I guess because he was, like, in his 20s, people were like, oh, my God, young, hot, rich entrepreneur. And doctors were, like, all the rage. Yeah. And he, like, owns a hotel. Whatever. He's... It's the mustache. He has a giant mustache. They must have been all the rage at the time. Yeah. Mustaches were hot shit. That's a handlebar if I've ever seen one. <laughs> his mugshot, he's literally wearing a bowler cap in his mugshot. So the next month, uh, which would be May, Holmes and Williams, pretending to be a married couple, rented an apartment in Chicago's Lincoln Park. Minnie's sister, Annie, who was not crazy about this dude, came to visit. And uh, that July, uh, their aunt got a random letter saying that, you know, Minnie and Annie plan to accompany quote-unquote brother Harry to Europe. And neither Minnie nor Annie were seen alive after July 5th of 1893. Yeah, and it's, it was also around this time. I don't know where this quote came from. Again, not sure if the quote is bullshit or not. There's so much, there's so many websites about this dude. It's kind of insane. Supposedly, there's a quote that Minnie said around this time. She was starting to have second thoughts about it, and he apparently had asked her to marry him, and she was all like, yes, and then later went, never mind, I don't want to marry you. And supposedly, she said, there is something lurking in that man's character that time will reveal. I do not like him. I firmly believe that he would commit murder. So then, uh, let's see, that was July 1893. Six months later, he marries Georgiana Yoke, <laughs> January of 1894, in Denver, Colorado. So I guess he decided to go hang out in Denver for a while. So technically, at this point in time, Holmes was married to three women, because he never divorced any of them. I don't know what happened to Murda. I got no info on whether or not she's still around. I doubt it, but, like, okay. He didn't kill his wives. I mean, it seems like, well, do we know that? Uh... I think so. Fuck, I'm actually not sure. I need to double check that. I didn't... Yeah, because they all just kind of seem like collections. Well, Clara absolutely was not murdered by him. Uh, She lived... She moved away and then had nothing to do with him ever again after that. And she, you know, raised her son and her son grew up and moved to Florida. Murda, I don't really know much about and neither do I know about Georgiana. I guess... Because they're acid fuel now. Yeah. So throughout this whole thing, Holmes traveled throughout the U.S. committing insurance scams with his accomplice, Benjamin Pietzel, with all of their aliases. They both had multiple aliases, so he was always saying he was traveling for work and just dicking around. Technically, he was traveling for work. He was getting money everywhere he was going. It was just illegally. Once the World's Fair had ended, Chicago's economy was in a slump. 
So Holmes abandoned the castle and focused on insurance scams as his main form of income, uh, committing random murders along the way, because let's spice it up. Well, he kind of had to commit murders to collect a lot of the insurance money, because his insurance fraud was mostly life insurance. It was life insurance, yeah. (laughs) So during this time, Holmes stole horses from Texas, I'm assuming using his property now in Fort Worth, and shipped them to St. Louis, and then sold them, making a fortune. And what's funny is that this, this is the crime that sent him to jail. Stealing horses. The horses. horses. The horses. I was like. We were really oblivious back in the day. Oh. You wonder what all was actually going on. Any hoosies. So while in jail, which he wasn't in prison for very long because he got out very quickly on bail, he came up with a new insurance scam with his cellmate, who he became friends with, named Marion Hedgepath. Yes, Marion, which is, I guess, also a dude's name. I don't know. Holmes said... back then. I guess so. So is Leslie and Ashley. Yep. So Holmes said he would take out an insurance policy for $10,000, which ten grand back then was, like, probably a million to us today. Like, geez, if not half a million. He said he would take out an insurance policy for ten grand fake his own death, and then provide Hedgepeth with $500 in exchange for a lawyer who could help him if any problems arose. So once he was released on bail, he attempted his plan. However, the insurance company was suspicious, finally, and did not pay him. So uh, Holmes then decided to attempt a similar plan in Philadelphia. This time he would have Pietzel, I think I'm saying that wrong, Pitezil? Pitezil? Pietzel? But now I'm realizing it's not spelled P-I-E-T, it's P-I-T-E. Pitzel. I'll say Pitzel. Pitzel. Pretzel. This time he will have pretzel, fake his own death. Pretzel time. It's He's a pretzel now. However, during the scam, Holmes actually killed Pretzel and collected the money for himself. So he just straight up was like, hey, we're going to do this scam. And the guy was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to fake my own death. And Holmes was like, just kidding. I'm just going to kill you. So it's legit. That way I don't have to split it. That way I... We're not faking it. We're not liars. Yeah. I have a body now. (laughs) So, yeah, he just collected the money for himself. Holmes then went on to manipulate Pretzel's wife into allowing three of her five children, Alice, Nellie, and Howard, to be in his custody and told her her husband was actually living in London. Here's what I'm envisioning for this lady to be this desperate for help to care for her kids, I guess. So the wife knew about the insurance fraud. So she knew about the scam. She didn't know her husband was dead. So she thought that he faked his own death and then fled the country so that they could get the money. I think... Holmes was like, oh my gosh, yeah, he's in London now. And like, and he gave her $500. And so I think he was like, you have so many kids. Like, you're alone now. You can't raise them by yourself. Here, I'm this rich, successful dude who is so close with your husband. Your kids are like my kids to me. Let me take care of them. No one's getting near my kid except for my family. Like, very, very, very close friends at that age you know yeah so well i mean she thought he was a close friend i guess but like how long was he around how long was this friendship because it sounds pretty new right 
He met like a couple years. It was eight, it was eighteen ninety four. It had been like at least two years. So the eldest daughter and the baby remained with Mrs. Pretzel. Holmes and the three Pretzel children <laughs> traveled throughout the northern U.S. and into Canada. And surprising literally no one, the three children went missing. Holmes would later confess to murdering Alice and Nellie by forcing them into a large trunk and locking them inside. He then drilled a hole in the lid of the trunk and put one end of a hose through the hole, attaching the other end to a gas line to asphyxiate them. He just really likes suffocating people. Uh, Holmes buried their bodies in the cellar of his rental house in Toronto. And here's another thing is, I don't know if this guy was in necrophilia at all or not, but their bodies were naked. So I don't know. Oh, while all of this was happening, Holmes was staying at another location with his third wife, Georgiana, who was unaware of literally everything. This guy had like a bajillion properties. And, like, just a bunch of apartments so that he could keep everyone separate and keep everybody in the dark. So, in 1894, Marion Hedgepath, who was angry that he did not receive any money in the initial scam, decided to go to the police about the scam Holmes had planned. The police tracked Holmes down, finally catching up to him in Boston, where they arrested him and held him on an outstanding warrant for the Texas horse swindle. Again, the fucking horse. At the time of his arrest, Holmes appeared as if he was prepared to flee the country, and police became suspicious of him. Like, what could he be doing so bad that he'd flee the country? So that's when the Chicago police investigated the castle, where they discovered his strange and efficient methods for committing torturous murder. Many of the bodies they located were so badly dismembered and decomposed that it was hard for them to determine exactly how many bodies were really there. Um, The police investigation spread throughout Chicago, Indianapolis, and Toronto. While conducting their investigation in Toronto, police discovered the bodies of the pretzel children. Which, by the way, where the fuck's Howard? No one ever found him, so that's something i think he killed howard first the girls saw it and that's why he decided to kill the girls that's my personal theory or maybe howard escaped and got away because he's older i don't know linking holmes to their murders police arrested him and he was convicted he also confessed to 28 other murders however through investigations and missing persons reports attached to his whole life story in his hotel it is believed that he's actually responsible for up to 200 murders basically if you knew this guy chances were you're gonna go missing so holmes was also paid money this is when he was paid the seven grand by newspapers for his confession and he gave various contradictory accounts on his life so it later ended up being like really discrediting him in the newspaper But he initially started claiming innocence, and later he claimed that he was possessed by Satan. And while he was in prison, and he still made made money in prison. Like, he would sell his story to people, and, like, they'd fucking pay him for it. While he was in prison, he wrote that he believed he was transforming into the image of Satan. 
and that he felt like his face was like because like his chin was becoming pointier and his mustache more pointy and like my <laughs> hair started growing into horns. Yeah, something like that. Also weird. So obviously this dude's on death row, right? He asked to be buried 10 feet under and encased in concrete because he did not want grave robbers to exhume and later dissect his body. Like, really? I mean, he had been doing that to how many people for how long? Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's fair. He's just like, I know how these people work. Just gross. So despite being a weird request, the request was granted. And he was was in... just about to ask that. Yeah, and he was encased in concrete. And in May 1896, he was hung. And the castle was remodeled as an attraction and named the Holmes Horror Castle. However, it burned to the ground shortly before its opening, and no one knows who burned it or why. No one knows who done it. Yep, but I think, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious it was burned down around the same reason Ed Gein's house was burned down. Like, people were probably outraged that they were, like, you know, going to make money off of it or something. Yeah. There's no way this dude did this all on his own without any of his employees knowing about it. I think it also might have been burned to the ground. Because there might have been evidence in there linking, like, other people to See, these crimes. That's what my first thought was, is, like, if somebody else was involved and they didn't want their fingerprints being found or whatever. But, yeah, so that is a murder castle of H.H. Holmes. Wild story. It's nuts. It's like Winchester Murder House. But on another level. Yeah, dude. I find it really odd that he he seemed more interested in the already dead bodies than in the act of killing people because he chose to suffocate them through means of tubes and gas as opposed to just strangling people. Which almost leads me to believe maybe he had some sort of necrophilia-esque enjoyment because he seemed to just want the bodies to be dead quick. It's not like he tortured them. He did have a stretching rack, but I think that was so he could open up, like, the rib cages and stuff and harvest organs easier. Uh, have, have you ever heard of the Clown Hotel? No. When I looked into it, I was a little disappointed because only, like, the front room is themed clowns and it just has a bunch of clown dolls. Because when you look at the actual rooms, they're, like, not clown decorated. I'm just like, guys, like, can we just go all wasted the way here? It's wasted. It's kind of how I felt. <laughs> um, well, I don't have a clown hotel for you, but um, I do have a Texas hotel. Ooh, close yeah. enough. Emily Morgan Hotel. So it was built um, basically right across from the Alamo in, ni- in 1836. And it was originally opened as what they called a medical arts building. It was a hundred medical professionals from doctors to dentists. So you could like go in there like to have a child. You could go in there to have your teeth done. Um, It was actually also a morgue crematorium and a asylum. Those are just not all things I would want in the same building. Right? So that's... <laughs> like, you I, you told me something like this exists, I'd be like, you're fucking lying. Here's all the creepy parts of a hospital, and now we're just putting it in the one place. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's really inconvenient for all of us, so we'll just, you know, leave it here. You Not like, only uh, are you born here, you die here, too. Yeah, like, I mean, what kept, I think what the furnaces that, like, keep the hotel warm were actually originally used to, to burn dead bodies. So, like, it's just the creepiest building. They have to, like, put 
a section. So like the information that I got about this hotel is on their actual website where they have to include the history behind it. So they can be like, look, there's probably very reasonable explanations for all the shit that's happening around here. But we do have to tell you about all the dead bodies that may or may not have existed in this place. There's not that much about it, honestly, just that it housed a lot of crazy people and injured people and a lot of people died there. It does share some occurrences that happened that they have to, like, warn you about before you go and stay there. Oh. That I very much enjoy because that's what I was looking for. I just wanted to hear about, like, all the encounters that happen when we go to stay at a haunted hotel. Yeah. So this is an asylum crematorium morgue baby. What what is that called? Like the maternity ward? What's the last one? Um, a psych ward. Psych yeah, asylum psych ward. Yeah. Turned hotel. Turned hotel. So someone comes across this godforsaken building across from the Alamo, like more deaths, and they're just cool. like, this would be a great place. Come visit to see the Alamo. And then how many <laughs> floors are on this hotel? Four. 13. So, but of course, there is no 13th floor. Right. 14 floors. And they refuse to have a room 1408. Um, <gasps> instead of calling it room 1408, they call it the Duke's room. Wait, 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 wait. I forgot that last episode I said I was going to start having movie recommendations. And that oh, was yeah. and that was my movie recommendation was isn't it called was it fourteen oh eight yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Stephen King short story that turned into a movie yeah so John Cusack Kimmy showed yep. me this movie when I was visiting her in New York we were trading off like showing each other horror films I showed her Oculus because oh, I love because I love that movie it's so good yeah we talk about movies that fuck with your mind so I made her watch Oculus with me and then she had me watch fourteen oh eight. Oculus is better, but 1408, (laughs) as far as hotel movies are, it really intrigued me only because I love a puzzle film, a film you have to, like, figure out and, like, question what's what's real, what's not, and so... Sucker punch. Right, except that one is a horror of a different... In a different way. I liked it. So I, for those of you who don't know the movie 1408, um, it's starring John Cusack, came out in 2007, and it's basically about this hotel room where it doesn't matter how long or short of a time anyone goes in there, they commit suicide. And they have pulled so many dead bodies out of this hotel room. They don't know why, but they say that there's something about the room that drives you mad and can cause you to commit suicide within minutes. All the way from jumping, they said a lot of people, they said most people just jump out the window, but it goes so far as to sometimes there's people who gouge their own eyes out. If anybody doesn't know already, the whole thing about 1408 is if you add the numbers up, it's 13. Mm-hmm. And you're not supposed to have 13 in a hotel. Bad luck. But there's um, other combinations of numbers that equal 13. Like, <laughs> Well, I think it's because they're, for most buildings, they don't have a 13th floor. You're on the 14th floor. You know what floor you're really on, you know? Do we know why most buildings don't have a 13th floor? Like, what, is there, like, a reason behind it? It's known to be bad luck. I just want to know if there's, like, history behind it. Like, why? I mean, like, the building that I work at, they don't have a 13th floor. It kind of reminds me of people who avoid 666 on things. Hey, everyone. It's me, your girl, Katie. Kelly is not here, and that's fine. And I'm doing little mini advertisements we got going on. So, first up, you like nerd clothes. I like nerd clothes. Here's the place to get your nerd clothes. It's going to be my nerd life. 
MyNerdLife.com. For all of your Dungeons and Dragons and World of Warcraft and nerdy just accessories, you're going to want to go there. They're really sleek, cool styles. It's run by some two pretty cool peeps. And it's it's freaking it's freaking cool. It's freaking cool and I like it. And I like their stuff. And I got their um bra like what bra? That makes it sound like they sell laundry. No no no. I got their D20 sports bra as well as workout leggings and let me tell you. I was so impressed by the quality. Like honestly, I love the bra. It really does help support my bubbies while I'm running around, if you know what I mean. They're so comfortable that I kind of just want to live in it. It's like an extra skin. Like, I just can't even express how much I love them. And if you use the code TIGERWIZARD, you can get 20% off your entire order. That's right, the entire freaking order. 20% off. What a deal. Go do it. Tiger Wizard, not the, just Tiger Wizard. Yep, that's how you spell it. Like a tiger and a wizard. Also, if you love Dungeons and Dragons, well, <laughs> you should check out my other podcast, D4, where we, you know, play Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know why there was a huge pause there or where I thought I was going with some dramatic pause, but yeah, we play Dungeons and Dragons, and it's freaking cool, and we have two DMs, which is even cooler. We are produced by Rock Punch ATL, so we're still on that nerd train, Rock Punch ATL, streams and makes such fun and funny nerdy content that you really should go check them out just like literally look them up you will not be disappointed and i think that's all i've got for you right now (laughs) um okay so at this hotel they list it on their website you can go see it at emilymorganhotel.com and you can look at it under their building history so they list the mysterious as mysterious occurrences that have happened at the hotel which is just wonderful i love it So the staff and guests of the hotel have shared their stories about weird occurrences. So one of them that both staff and guests have experienced is the phone will ring in the middle of the night. Um, Only when it's picked up, there's no one on the other line. A room attendant would clean a room, and then after cleaning the room, they'd go into the bathroom to clean it, come back out, and find that the pillows were tossed around. Fuck that! Yeah. (laughs) Shit like that, it's subtle nuances like that that just, like... Fuck with me. I can't stand it. Yeah. I hate that shit. You know, like, if you go, like, if you leave a room and then you come back and the fucking cabinets are open? Mm-hmm. Fuck the six cents and the fucking cabinets. Fuck open cabinets. I can't stand it. That's That part of the movie is still the scariest part to me. But I find that, I, I feel like the pillows being tossed around is kind of the same thing. Like, especially when you know how meticulous room attendants are when they make your room in a hotel. And then just to come back out and find that the pillows are, like, thrown around. Part of me, though, wonders that if you stay in a hotel that has a reputation for being haunted, but it seems kind of kitschy and, like, their way of getting you to stay there, I wonder if they have, like, staff and things in the hotel to make it seem more haunted. That's the whole reason that I meant I wanted to do this one is because, like, a lot of these other hotels, they make it, like, an attraction, right? Yeah. They have psychics and uh, ghost tours and all this shit. Emily Morgan Hotel does not have that stuff. They present it because they have to and they feel like they need to share this information but there's no ghost tours there's no psychics there's none of that like touristy shit they're just like yeah creepy shit happens here we don't really like talking about it i think makes it creepier when it's more subtle and the hotel's going out of its way to say hey yeah we know a bunch of creepy shit happens here but it has to be coincidence 
I think that's more terrifying because they're like trying to bury it. They don't want attention for it. But they also turned a crematorium maternity ward psych ward into a hotel. So really they had it coming. That had to have been a solid ass atheist to be like, yep, this building. It's just, it's like a horror movie waiting to happen. It's basically the setup for a fucking horror movie. They built that thinking somebody's going to make a lot of money in entertainment off this later. <laughs> it's just the weirdest like, who puts a maternity ward next to a crematorium? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Or a psych ward, for that matter. You know? It's <sighs> crazy. So, another story. This is, like, a more singular encounter. A sales manager spending the night returned to her room after dinner to find the bathtub had been filled with completely blue water. <gasps> completely the blue? Staff, yeah. Just, like, blue. Because um, it wasn't red. Yeah, that's that's one nice thing. The staff has made several reports of seeing doors close for no reason um, and also feeling a presence on certain floors with no one else around. Um, guests have heard what they describe as hospital carts out the, outside their door. And the 14th floor has a distinct smell of antiseptic or Band-Aid odor. Ew, that's, a not, that's not a smell you want in your hotel. No, and it's on the 14th floor too, which just makes it creepier. I would say um, the most terrific hotel I've ever been to was just a two-star. It actually was. I was like, I don't want to touch the blankets. I wish I had brought my own. <laughs> Also, this one, this one I don't think is super creepy. I think elevators would stop at just random floors for a reason. Um, that could just be a circuitry yeah. thing. Exactly. Um, also, video cameras have captured orbs just floating around the hotel. I never understood the whole orb thing. Yeah, um, I mean, it's a term that, that paranormal investigators use um, to just describe entities that are there that, um, you know, that can't be seen completely. But the one thing I do find interesting about this is that it's a video camera, so they're capturing these orbs moving around. That's true. That's one thing where I'm just like, okay, maybe there's a little bit of credence to this. Also, some guests have reported seeing a woman in white walking the halls, and others have reported shadows just moving along the walls where there is no reason to have shadows. Like, completely dark room, you'll see a shadow walk by. Ah! Also hate shit like that. Oh. (laughs) Just something for your nightmares tonight. Why is it always a woman in white? I don't know. I, I also read about this other hotel, um, but the only thing creepy that really happened there was this one event. Um, so it was at the Alaskan Hotel. Um, it was where, like, miners would stay between jobs and stuff because they wouldn't have them for long periods of time. They would just have to visit and then go home. So this one miner, him and his wife were staying at this hotel. He went out of the job and he didn't come back for a few months. She thought he died. And so she started prostituting herself to make ends meet. Oh. Um, turns out he did not die. And so he came back, found out that his wife was lady of the night now. And he brutally murdered her in the hotel. And so people see her walking around all the time, um, either at like the bars or in the room where he had killed her. Did she? Okay. So the thing about this whole lady in white. Did they die in a nightgown? Like, what? Well, here's, <laughs> so here's my one explanation that I can think. In a lot of hotels, they provide you robes, like white robes, thinking maybe that's it. Maybe they had robes on. But Lady in White has been a theme in some of our episodes since literally our first one. I think there's something just kind of haunting and uh, a little bit ethereal, I guess, about that image that people just like to hold on to. I feel like it's always like dark-haired Lady in White is evil, Blonde hair lady in white is good. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, that's that's all the encounters at the Emily Morgan Hotel. But I will say, this is how they close it out. They just say, "Does this mean the hotel is haunted?" No. There, you, there's usually simple explanations for this kind of stuff. Even though that's the case, this hotel is considered the third most haunted hotel in the world, um, just due to the amount of reports that come out of it. So we should go stay there. Also, the rooms look really nice. You want to know what we should also stay that I cannot believe I didn't remember until just now, speaking of haunted places to stay, is the Queen Mary. Do you know about the Queen Mary? It sounds very familiar. So the Queen Mary is a ship which has been turned into a hotel. So it's mm-hmm. like permanently docked. Like it doesn't go out into the ocean anymore. And it has been known as one of the top haunted places in America. I'm going to count it as a hotel because it's not active as a ship anymore. But basically it is also famous for a lady in white. But um, among ghosts reported still hanging around is an engineer who died in the ship's engine room, Lady in White, uh, and various children located throughout the ship, including the first class pool. They are like all about like, yeah, we're haunted though. I feel like for a while they weren't crazy about advertising it. And then I feel like in recent years, I've seen them really lean into the whole, yeah, we're haunted. Fuck it. Come stay here. And I remember um, watching a video. God, this had to have been years ago. They were making a video. They were going to stay a night there and see if it was haunted kind of a video. Paranormal activity, like 24-hour surveillance video themselves. And they had just gotten there. They were setting up their shit, and they were talking to their friend, and they had, like, their camera. They were in the bathroom, so it was, like, a little a little um, mirror and, like, a little area where they were putting their toothbrush and stuff down. And all of a sudden, as they were talking to their friend and, like, looking away, the toothbrush just flew off the little stand that it was on. And the person, like, heard it and, like, looked over, scared shitless, and they left. They didn't even stay there. (laughs) They didn't even stay there. They kept replaying and watching it, and they were like, that thing flew. Like, it flew off. Like, it was just sitting there. And they got so spooked that they left. Apparently, uh, stateroom B340 is apparently so notoriously haunted that they haven't allowed people to stay in there. It's funny because I was just about to talk about um, the haunted spots at the Stanley, and it's there's that one room again, that mm-hmm. theme. And honestly, I feel like that's just brilliant advertising. Like, we're so haunted that there's this one room you can't go in. And people are like, I want to go in there. I want to be haunted. Let's bring out the Ouija board. Like, oh, God. Okay, but to be fair, that's us. I know, <laughs> but I wouldn't bring it out in a haunted hotel. I would. Well, it's because you're insane. Remember we went to go stay in Savannah at that Airbnb? And there was that really creepy cellar that was just in the middle of the backyard. And I was like, we should go in it. Yes, (laughs) I do remember that. That was really funny. What was that? Was it a cellar? I thought it was like a weird well. I don't know. The boys wouldn't let us go in. That's true. We were crazy for wanting to go in. Well, there was a big piece of wood covering over it. Yeah, I know. It was like really flimsy and you couldn't stand on top of it because there was definitely hollow and there was something underneath. But we weren't allowed to do it. Include complaints from guests staying in that room, claiming that someone was knocking on the door in the middle of the night. Other complaints include bathroom lights turning on by themselves, sink faucet turning off and on, unexplained uh, bathroom doors shutting. Some guests have a 
reported the covers of their bed being pulled off while asleep and waking to see dark figures standing at the foot of the bed. All your standard hauntings. Those are all pretty, pretty standard when it comes to a haunting. I would expect nothing less from my haunting, you know? Anything less than that, I'm not staying. Right? It's like, then why am I here? This is a recent article. They have now added a chest of a Ouija board tarot cards crystal ball. Oh, neat. They included that in the suite. It's $500 a night. Oh, God. Yeah, you better include a fucking Ouija board for that price. You should include a fucking psychic who takes my fucking future reading. Well, this room is one of the suites, so... Okay, well, I still mean what I... I know what I said. You know what? This ghost better follow me off the fucking ship. For 500 a night, I expect this ghost to follow me to my grave. I expect this ghost to tuck me in at night and tell me scary stories. Like, I'm... Anything less than that, I'm not paying. Uh, you got through that one hotel and I forgot you had a whole other list. <laughs> it's a short list. It's only seven things. Um, it's the seven most haunted places within the Stanley Hotel. So if you forgot, the Stanley Hotel is where Stephen King was inspired to write The Shining. Um, he was actually inspired to write it in the number one most haunted place in the hotel, which is room 217. So he stayed there, got great views, had dinner with his wife and kids, went to sleep, and then had this horrid nightmare about his three-year-old son being chased through the corridors um, by a fire hose, actually. So, Wait, being chased by a fire hose? Yeah, like the fo- the fire hose itself was chasing him, which I thought was an interesting, but it scared the shit out of him. He, like, woke up in the middle of the night, went to go have a smoke break because he thought it would ease his nerves. Um, and while he was having his smoke break, basically wrote the entire book in his head. Um, he had, like, the whole outline ready to go, and he started writing it the next day. Um, but the reason that this room is considered to be haunted originally is because uh, Elizabeth Wilson, who was the hotel's head housekeeper, um, during a storm in 1911, she was injured during an explosion. An explosion as she was lighting the lanterns. That's what it was. Um, So she was lighting the lanterns during a storm in room 217. And she survived, but she she broke both of her ankles. And I guess she passed away later. Who is this? Um, This is... Elizabeth Wilson, she was the hotel's head housekeeper. Oh, okay. God, she blew up a hotel room. Yeah. (laughs) Only because I I don't know what happened, really. Nobody has details on it because I've looked for it, you know, because this is the hotel I originally wanted to do and it's a big event. Just a freak accident. So she survived, broke both of her ankles, and then I guess when she passed away later, it was a traumatizing event, so she came to hang out in it. Um. But when it comes to, like, a traumatizing event happened, but they didn't die here, but their ghost is here? Yeah, that's that's the thing. It's, like, I my only guess is that it was, like, the most traumatizing event in her life. And so it that's where her spirit lingered. Or if we want to get real into it, maybe something caused the explosion to begin with. Because it seems like a freak accident to begin with. Maybe something was already there. What? Yeah, like, what makes a kerosene lantern or oil lamp or whatever explode? Explode to the point where she breaks her ankles. Yeah. But guests have reported items being moved, luggage that would go unpacked. I guess they, or yeah, luggage that would be unpacked, like they didn't unpack it themselves. Honestly, that's a service. Yeah. Yeah, that's why they think it's a housekeeper. And then the lights being turned on and off. And also something that would happen is 
unmarried guests, when they would show up and sleep in the same room together, they would be like forced apart. There was like some sort of force that would separate them because, and they attribute that to Elizabeth Wilson because she was old fashioned and she didn't like the idea of unmarried people sleeping together. That's hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) But you can actually stay in that room. Uh, even though it's considered the most haunted place in the hotel. Uh, the second most haunted place is the Vortex. Um, it's a staircase between floors in the hotel's main guest house. That threw me off if I meant the restaurant for a moment, and I was like, in Atlanta? <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's, like a, it's a staircase, um, but it's like a gorgeous, stunning work of architecture, apparently. the It's being dubbed the Vortex because there's a natural spiral of energy. And it's also known as a rapid transit system for ghosts that are known to haunt the hotel. So, like, it's like a train station for ghosts? To take you from one room or or the next, I guess. My mind immediately went to Wreck-It Ralph 2 with, like, (laughs) the plug station for the internet. (laughs) But with ghosts. (laughs) Which I would love to see, personally. Yeah. We should stay here. I mean, where in Colorado is it? Um, Park Estes, I believe. Don't know what that is, but I like Colorado. If it's near a mountain, I'll go. Yeah, it's, um, really close to a national park, I think. Yeah, Estes Park, Colorado is where it is. Let me see if there's any other thing that says, like, where it's nearby. Nope, I guess we're supposed to know what Estes Park is, but, I mean, if you look at the pictures, it looks gorgeous. Um, so number three most haunted place inside the hotel is the concert hall. So Paul is apparently one of the most well-known ghosts in the haunting. Um, He was a jack of all trades around the hotel. Um, So he would enforce an 11 p.m. curfew. So guests will sometimes hear get out being uttered late at night. Um, And they suspect that it's Paul, the ghost. (laughs) You know, just Paul. This old ghost just trying to usher us to bed. And the area is also a favorite spot for a hotel founder, Flora Stanley. Um, she was the wife of the guy I told you about earlier, the one who was about to pass away, and they went to this altitude to try and prolong this. Um, but Flora loved to play the piano, and so sometimes you'll hear her in the concert hall just playing at the keys. Um, well, I guess it's better than a ghost that plays a tuba. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> it's, it's nice to hear, like, if, if you're going to haunt me with music, I think piano's kind of up there for one of the things. It's up there. It's like not, like, I don't want to be haunted by a drummer. If you're bad at playing piano, then it turns into an insidious thing and it's just creepy. I think the only thing creepier than being haunted by a ghost bad at playing piano is a ghost bad at playing violin. (laughs) Like, you're going deaf and, like, it's terrifying. (laughs) and also you can't hear anything but could you imagine being haunted by a bass player you just hear like b b b b b b d b b b over and over and over again i just feel like being haunted by a bass player is just up there with kill me now um so some more stuff about this concert hall uh paul is up to some random shit a construction worker reported that he felt paul nudge him while he was standing on the floors um and tour groups on the stanley ghost uh ghost tour have reported that he flickered a flashlight for them so he just does random shit i guess 
Um, another ghost known to wander about the concert hall is Lucy. They believe that she was a runaway or a homeless woman who found refuge in the hall. She entertains the request of ghost hunters, often communicating with them with flashing lights. Um, but nobody's really sure about how she got there, other than she was just a homeless woman who was shacking up. You know what I would do if I was homeless? Go to the nicest hotel. It has a lot of amenities. It's a very pretty place. I'm homeless. I'm not staying at no Holiday Inn. So number four on this list is Room 401. Um, more than a century ago, the entire fourth floor was a cavernous attic. Um, it's where female employees, children, and nannies would stay. Yeah, I don't like the term cavernous. Yeah, children and nannies stayed in there. That sounds, and, and females, it sounds very sexist. Where Here's where the women go. We're just going to throw you in this dark <laughs> It's going to throw you over here. Like, no one wants to see that. <laughs> um, but now, today's guests will hear reporting children giggling and playing. Um, and there's also a famous closet in there that tends to open and shut on its own. Well, hey, there's a good nannies. Sounds like they had a good time, so I guess you can't. I don't know. Like, no, not until you try it. Beetlejuice worked pretty well with Lydia yeah. being raised by two <laughs> ghosts. Like, you know? So number five is room 428. Apparently, you get a badge of bravery for staying in any room that's on the fourth floor. But 428 in particular, very spooky. Um, guests have reported hearing footsteps above them and furniture moving around. Yeah, so guests reported hearing footsteps above them and furniture moving around, but that's actually physically impossible given the slope of the roof. Um, and the real haunt in this room is a friendly cowboy who appears in the corner of the bed. Sign me up. <laughs> so you're just going to hear furniture moving and then see a cowboy at the end of your bed. Um, uh, here's what we're doing. I've already planned the trip in my head as you were talking. Here's what we're doing next year. So I'm thinking Colorado tour. We go to this hotel, stay in cowboy room, but we wear cowboy garb, role play with cowboy ghost, make him feel at home. Maybe bring like a horse on a stick. Play just old cowboy music whatever that is saloon music if you will saloon music we'll go to the bar we'll have a really good time we'll just have a good time we'll get whiskey and bring it back for him with his own shot glass he's gonna love us he's gonna love it i'm so excited all right so number six on this list is another staircase it's the grand staircase so pretty staircase has mirrors and portraits and all this stuff. Um, but it's also considered a popular passageway for resident ghosts. Wait, so not a train station, just a passageway? They just use the stairs like normal people. Is it a spiral staircase or is it? No, this one's just like um, one of those big, like, big staircase leading up. Oh, like in the movie, The Shining, <laughs> like that big staircase. <laughs> So there was a visitor from Houston in 2016, so fairly recently. He snapped some photos on the grand staircase, like on an empty staircase. After returning home and reviewing them, he saw an apparatus at the top. Nobody was there when he was taking these photos, so it's just like a ghostly image of a woman at the top of the stairs. Um, but the thing is, nothing really awful happened at this hotel. They seem to be friendly ghosts, you know, or like employees who just really enjoyed working there, and so they stuck around. That's even better. And a cowboy, like... Can't fuck in room 217, which, only, which just seems to be the only downside. Yeah, unless you're married, then like... Unless you're married, then have a ball. We'll just bring Sammy and Matt and be like, that's your room. <laughs> Plan a group trip. 
out with the friendly ghosts. Yeah, well, I'll hang out with Casper, who clearly ditched his shitty brothers. So the number seven on this, which I think this is creepy in its own right. There's underground caves. <gasps> what? Can you go yeah. there? Yeah. So if you go on the 75-minute night spirit tour at the Stanley. Which we are. Yeah, you have to book in advance, though, because it's very popular. Your tour comes to an eerie halt with a visit to the underground cave system. Workers moved about the hotel through the caves in the early days, kind of like Disney and how they had that whole underground tunnel system. So they say that beneath the hotel is a higher than average concentration of limestone and quartz. And ghost hunters believe that those help capture energy at the property. Be one of the reasons why ghosts hang out there. Those are the top seven most haunted spots at the Stanley Hotel. I wonder if there's hauntings at Disney. I'm sure there there has there has to be. I'm you know when you walk in there and you see like you know there's all the shops that you have to walk through to get to like Magic Kingdom and stuff. Yeah, you realize that. Those buildings right there were intended to be hotels. They could stay on property at the park. They were. But construction failed for some reason, and people say that those those are haunted. So all those shops, the upstairs is actually... Well, I mean, the upstairs actually being an upstairs makes sense for storage for the stores. But I just didn't realize... They were intended to be hotel rooms, yeah. I didn't realize that. And that the yeah. shops at the bottom were intended to be the shops at the bottom of the hotels. Those buildings are so small, I just never thought that. But I guess back in the day, buildings were smaller. That's interesting. This makes me want to do like a like a theme park episode. Or just Disney. I feel like Disney could easily be its own episode and then theme parks be another. Like whenever I think of like the number one thing from theme parks that just fucks with me is... The Superman ride, not the one in Atlanta, the one at some other Six Flags, like Texas or something, where one of the wires got loose and cut a girl's feet off. Oh, God. Do you remember that? But we have very much gotten off topic onto a whole new topic. So so anyways, uh, I guess... That's enough on horrific hotels, and I guess we're moving very quickly on to uh, theme parks and Disney. I feel like you have more theme park experience and knowledge than I do, so it makes it makes sense for you to headhunt that topic. I uh, thank you guys all so much for listening. This has been horrific and haunted hotels, but I don't want to use the same word twice, so horrific it is. Whatever, mine isn't haunted. The murder castle of H.H. Holmes is now, I think, a gas station? Huh? I'm pretty sure it's a gas station. Let me just go to images. Look out, your gas might be haunted. It's not. It looks like a, it looks like a government building. Uh-oh. United States. Oh, it's a post office. It's now, so it is government property now. So if it's haunted, I don't know. Is it a haunted... A haunted post office? Probably. But, yeah. Is the Murder Castle post office haunted? Yes, it absolutely is. The ghosts deliver your mail. Inglewood post office, Atlas Obscura. Naturally, it would be on Atlas Obscura, but I think there is, a, like, a little plaque in front of it. If Unless it was taken <laughs> down, that was like, by the way, this used to be a place where ton of people were asphyxiated in their rooms i just couldn't believe he was like what's the best way to just kill everyone suffocate them and send them down a chute there's no way he personally went into those rooms and shoved everybody down the chute he had to have had employees in on it 
like random cleaning ladies and stuff who were just paid extra. But anyways, yes, thanks again for listening. Also totally fucked up. It took a horse to put H.H. Holmes in prison and not a bunch of missing women, but like whatever, patriarchy, cool. Uh, Follow us on all of our social media. I'm not great at posting, but I do my best. Also have Patreon and a website, cotmpodcast.com, or just corn on the macabre if you want to Google it. Our shit will come up. Thank you so much, and keep it creepy. Keep it creepy. Music by freestockmusic.com. For blog posts showing visuals for each episode, you can find our blog at cotmpodcast.com. If you'd like to help support us and receive discounts and loyalty rewards, become a patron at patreon.com slash macabre. We record every episode live Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on twitch.tv slash thetigerwizard. If you can't find us on your favorite podcast app or site, please let us know and we'll fix that. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram for updates on episodes, blog posts, and special events. And don't forget, keep it creepy.